welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome to Episode 7 of I See Star Wars with our special guest, Christian Slade. We're going to be talking about the art of Star Wars. We're going to talk about selling and buying your vintage items to grow your collection. We're going to talk about Toy Tony. And uh, we have the Ask Mike section where you guys have asked me questions from the IC that I have not seen yet that I will answer off the hip. Christian Slade has actually been commissioned to make Disney Park exclusive Star Wars art that I'm sure you guys have seen in shops like Tatooine Traders and in the Star Tours gift shop. Plus, he does many illustrations and graphic novels that I'm sure you'll know. But the best part is, is just like you and me, he's a collector. So let's dive in with the first item on the current event lists, Toy Tony. Now, Toy Tony has been coming up quite a bit lately because there's a couple groups that have decided to allow it. The IC is not one of those groups. The IC will never be one of those groups. I don't care how many fakes you have. They are fake. So, let me tell you a little bit about the Toy Tony scandal. What happened back in December of 2013, it came out that a guy named Antoni Emkowitz, um, a.k.a. Toy Tony, had been selling uh, factory-sealed, quote-unquote, men-on cards that were actually just card backs he got from a Palatoy overstock deal he did, um, and a bunch of bubbles. So what he started doing is he started purchasing figures off of eBay, and he started taking those figures and putting them into incorrect bubbles or sometimes correct bubbles, and then using an iron and a t-shirt or something like that to seal the original bubbles onto the original card backs with aftermarket glue and non-factory sealing techniques. Now, there are many tells that tell you how to look for Toy Tony, but um, unfortunately, since they are original card backs and original bubbles, um, sometimes it's even tough for grading companies like AFA to know what they are. So back in the day, AFA graded quite a few of these. Um, you'll only find them on Palatoy card backs. There are plenty of people that can help you out, even PM me or ask anybody on the IC about them, and they'll be able to give you links to wonderful card back guides that will explain. Uh, Jason Smith made a card back guide that explains the differences in Toy Tonys and what to look for so you guys don't get scammed. Also, CAS has just put into place a new thing where they will not really grade something, but case it and label it, stating that it's a Toy Tony, that it's a uh, reproduction item and a Toy Tony. Now, a lot of people on the fence about Toy Tony or people that like to sell it or people that allow it on their groups, they've decided to justify it. And now you can justify anything on the planet, and you can say things are real bubbles or real cardboard or real figures even. But there is a chance, even though it's small, that the figure could be reproduction, that the weapon could be reproduction. It is certainly fact that they are not uncirculated figures inside those bubbles. Um, and what ends up happening is you start putting out these things into the 
community because you allow the sales of them. And whether it's not the person right now who buys it, or whether it's not the next person who buys it, or whether it's not the next person that buys it, it's still going to eventually end up back in the marketplace and some nefarious character is going to try to get as much as they can for it. Now, the reason why I'm so against Toy Tony personally is because I have been scammed into two of them in my collecting career that I know of. Um, one was a Palatoy uh, Snowtrooper, and I was able to return that right away on eBay. The seller was nice about it, but nonetheless, I paid triple what it's worth since it's a reproduction and uh then the other was a boba fett um i got a boba fett at 65 back palatoy boba fett and he ended up being fake and that one i was into for about 3500 dollars. so that was a huge mistake and that one was really frustrating to me and that guy did end up taking it back eventually after i was able to produce screenshots showing that he was telling me it was authentic and not toy tony but nonetheless, I did get my money back on those. But somebody less educated in these things or somebody that doesn't even know that they exist could have very easily been scammed. So personally, I don't like them. For the record, they will never be allowed on the IC. If you want to learn a little bit more about uh, Toy Tony, just type in Toy Tony Scandal, T-O-Y space T-O-N-I Scandal onto Google, and a whole bunch of great information will come up. If you need any help uh, learning about Toy Tony or figuring out what is Toy Tony, um, so you don't just have to stay away from Palatoy, uh, then feel free to just shoot me a PM or shoot any of the admins or mods on the IC a PM. We've been dealing with it for a few weeks now, so uh, we're quite brushed up on where to find the proper links. <laughs> Next up on current events, I want to talk about selling. When you're buying and selling things to grow your collection, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I have a story. So sit back, relax, and hear a story. About six months ago, I found on eBay late night at three in the morning in one of my late night I ate ice cream, so I'm on eBay finding sessions, I found a Boba Fett. Now, the Boba Fett I found is a 21-back Boba Fett, and he was on a card, and the guy wasn't sure in the listing if it was a reseal or not. I was pretty confident it was not a reseal, and I paid his asking price. Now, I got in that Boba Fett. I sent him off to CAS for verification. They did a great job. They put a bubble protector around him. They verified it. They gave him a grade. It came back. Now, I am on to another day where I got a email from a friend that said, hey, there's this guy with this pre-production thing that you might want. It's not a rocket firing Boba Fett. Don't get excited. But uh, with this pre-production thing that you might want, is it something you'd be interested in? Well, I kicked it around a little, and since I have money burning my hole in the pocket from the Boba Fett, I figured why not? Now, in order to raise money for this pre-production piece, I have to make some tough choices. I have to go into my stuff and decide what I have extra of or what I really don't want, and then I have to try to sell it. That's the way we all build our collections. Anybody that tells you any differently is either a billionaire or Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'm neither. So as I start staring down the barrel of $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 pieces of pre-production uh, vintage Star Wars items, I have to make money by selling some of the items in my collection. Now I have four 21-back Boba Fetts, and so I put one up for sale. I put it up for sale for $1,000 less than any other one is listed on eBay. And if anybody knows me, they can attest. If you PM me and we're friends, I'll give you a better deal. But I put it up for uh, $3,900, which is $1,000 cheaper than anyone on eBay. And uh, 
I got a lot of gruff. Well, I got a little tiny bit of gruff from two people that usually give gruff. Um, but I did get a tiny bit of gruff, and the reason why is because they knew that I paid seventeen fifty for it eight months ago, and that I was selling it. Now, the thing is, I've always said, it's your toy, do what you want with it. Now, if you've ever sold anything vintage Star Wars, you know as well as I do, as soon as you put a lowball price on something, it'll immediately be snatched up by a reseller, and they will go resell it for what market price is. So what I do is I put up my stuff for market price, and then if you know me, or if we've had deals in the past, or if you've helped me out in some way, or if you're just a kind person, I'll hook you up through PM. The problem is, is if you are not a nice person and you are just going to go flip it and you're just going to go make money off it, then you pay what market price is. So I popped the 21 back boba on the board. I popped it up for $1,000 under fair market value. And I had a couple people that followed around every single post and continued to price bash, price bash, price bash, price bash. Now here's the thing. These people never asked me anything about it. They never found out the story behind it. All they did was immediately judge and act like jerks, for lack of a better word. Jerks is still a PG word. Yes, they acted like jerks. So I posted it up on eBay, and they started to send me offer after offer after offer for $100, $200, $300, all for a 21 back Boba Fett. So now they have been blocked on my eBay, so they can't have the option of purchasing from me ever again on there, and they will never, ever get a deal on Facebook. So it was very short-sighted on their end. Now, what happened with that Boba Fett is I actually had a friend reach out to me. He said, hey, man, you know, I've always wanted one, and I really, really need one, and I just can't afford that right now. And I said, brother, I know you. No problem at all. Now, that Boba Fett that I got for $1,750 eight months ago, that I sent to CAS for verification, even though I bought it as a possible reseal, that got verified, that I paid shipping both ways on, that I held in my collection only until I needed to sell it in order to raise funds to purchase another Grail item. That Boba Fett, I sold for $2,000, which let me find my trusty calculator here, but that's actually easy. I can do it in my brain. $1,750 minus $2,000, that means negative $250. So I made a total of $250. And after the cost of grading and after the cost of shipping and after the cost of, God forbid, if I sold it on eBay and all the fees they have, I'm making nothing. But that still doesn't change the fact that I have been trolled for three days now for posting up a Boba Fett $1,000 under market value. That's abominable. And you know what? That's the reason why we have the no price bashing rule at the IC. Because you never have all the information, and market value is market value for a reason. That's what things cost. Now, I have bought many vintage cards with price tags still on them, and I have never gotten one for the price of that price tag. Stuff goes up in value. It's just the way this is. I guess the moral of the story is... Be nice to people. It ends up paying you back 100-fold, and it's so much more fun. It is a thing that's been on everybody's mind lately. The current buzz of the Facebook groups. Star Wars Battle Page. Now, what a battle is, if you don't know what a battle is, it's essentially a raffle. All you do is you buy raffle tickets in a raffle for smaller amounts of money for a large item, for an expensive item, for a rare item, and then all those 
lotto tickets or raffle I'm sorry raffle tickets go into a drawing for whatever the item is and somebody wins it and everybody else loses it now the reason why raffles are not legal um, whether it be Facebook or whether it be some guy on the side of the road with a table the reason why they're not legal is because what happens is one person wins and everybody else loses and anytime you start giving away money for nothing in return to something that is not a nonprofit organization then well you can figure out what the word is for that personally I have no issue with the admins there I have no issue with people wanting to play battles I think it's completely ridiculous that you don't call it what it is it's a raffle call it a raffle if it can't be called a raffle because Facebook has algorithms that are gonna spot the word raffle then maybe don't do it I know people do it in different items they do it with autographs and uh, sports memorabilia but those kind of things they have a actual value attached to them whereas Star Wars fluctuates constantly and when people can start putting up rare prototypes for whatever they feel like the price is and they get it that's tough especially when I have people the next day writing me about how they bought $500 in battle tickets and didn't win anything I think it's a neat idea in theory um, I think in practice it doesn't work so well but I just want to make a statement the battles group has absolutely nothing to do with the Imperial Commissary, and that's the way it'll stay. I wish them nothing but the best. I wish you all the best luck on the people that purchase tickets that you win. Um, I hope you all do. I hope it's fun for you. Just always remember everything in moderation when it comes to stuff like that. Don't confuse yourself and think it is not gambling. It is gambling. I have no problem with gambling. I love playing cards. I love going to Las Vegas. But... When I go to Las Vegas, I do not say I'm on an educational retreat about Star Wars. I say I'm going to play cards. Now, I think those are the most important issues on everybody's mind today. If you have any questions, comments, even if you think I'm completely nuts, feel free to write in, write me an email, shoot me a PM. I'm always willing to listen. I'm always willing to have a conversation about any of this, as long as it's a respectful conversation. As soon as people turn into name calling and stuff like that, there's no need for that. But feel free to reach out. Your opinion should be heard just like mine is. Um, now we're going to move on. We're going to go into the next part of IC Star Wars. This is a part that you guys are used to. I know I just added that uh, what's going on part uh, this this week, but this is a part you guys are used to. We are moving into IC Star Wars Ask Mike section, where everybody from the IC can write in on that thread I pop up, and they can ask me random questions about anything, whether it be the IC, whether it be about current events, or anything at all vintage Star Wars related. Even if it's just personal questions about me and why I do all this nonsense. <laughs> So without further ado, I'll pull up the thread here and uh, we'll get into your questions. Okay. The first question from Ryan Langill. Um, I'm sorry if I mess up everybody's name. I haven't had a chance to read these before, but that's what makes it fun. Um, that way your questions are all fresh and I'm not allowed to even Google. Uh, all right. Ryan asks... Boba Fett standalone movie, yay or nay? Um, I would love a Boba Fett standalone movie, brother. I would love it if they make it after I have completed all the, well, quote-unquote completed, because when is anything ever completed? But after I have been able to get as much Boba Fett stuff as I can, because I don't need another price jump in Boba Fett, I am right on the razor's edge of not being able to collect Boba Fett anymore because of the massive prices he's starting to command i would love to see a boba fett movie i really hope they don't screw it up and like make him helmetless for the whole movie so it's got to be some 
character being like, oh, I'm so emotional and blah, 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 blah. I would rather Boba Fett movie have two words in it. It could be a silent movie as long as it had action sounds of explosions and rockets firing and stuff like that. Um, next question up, Jeremiah Maya Pentoya. Uh, how old were you when you got your first Star Wars toy and what figure was it? Well, when I was younger, I would say, ooh, six, seven. Um, what happened is we used to go down to my grandma's house in, uh, where was it? Uh, Seymour, Connecticut. We used to go down to Seymour, Connecticut, and we'd go to my grandma's house, and grandma would always make Sunday dinner, and we would have Sunday dinner as a family, and my brother would be there, and my sister would be there, and, uh, we would go upstairs to where she had the extra room, where nobody ever stayed anymore, because she was older now, and, uh, she had a whole bunch of toys in there. Now, those toys were ones that my brother picked out and stuff like that. When you come from a family of five and you're the third kid, you tend to get a lot of the stuff handed down to you. Um, especially if Star Wars came out in 77 and I ended up not coming out till 80. <laughs> but uh, So you get stuff handed down to you. But I do remember, I always remember it always being upstairs in my grandma's house. And I remember that... Um, there was always the Hoth playset and the Hoth turret playset and the Falcon my brother had. Um, I have them all now because he has stopped collecting. Ha ha. So they are mine. Um, but it, it was those that I remember. Um, the first one I actually ever remember getting was a Leia Bosch. It was at a Bradley's in Torrington, Connecticut. Uh, it was down in a bargain bin. It was, had to be 85, 86. So it shouldn't even have been there anymore card was all messy and destroyed and uh i think it was well under a dollar i can't remember though but i do remember opening her up in the back seat of my mom's car and i thought it was really cool because she had all the accessories and stuff like that so i guess leia bosch would be my first figure ever i wish i still had her i do have one without a head that there is a chance could be her but i can't guarantee it so i keep it and don't get rid of it but i don't know it would be nice to even have the cardboard or something like that just to jog those memories uh next question up joe north what mediums do you use for the character above caricature um i didn't use any mediums brother uh uh jorge baeza uh he made it for me uh from scratch it just uh looks like me i have no idea how he made it um i'm sure i don't know i don't know pens i have no idea maybe i have no idea but I will tag him right under your post right now, and then we will find out together. Next up, Clifton Boggs. I saw a post on the IC last week. The guy was worried about blue snaggletooth eyes and mouth if they were repainted, because the paint glowed under blacklight. I have many figures where the eyes and mouth glow. One Bosk, FX7, IG-88, Zuckus, and Bib. I am aware of many factories using what they had available. Can you shed some light on this? No pun intended. Too late. Nah, no, just kidding. Um, yeah, I can shed a little bit of light on this, brother. Um, I'll put up a couple pictures underneath your thing here, uh, and we'll be able to look at... There will be... Uh, I have uh, my Stormtrooper army that I put under blacklight, and I have uh, my Boba Fett army that I put under blacklight. And the variation, the wide variation of different types of paint and stuff that they used... Um, some can pick up black light. Some of the plastics pick up black light. Some don't pick it up at all. It's completely random. Um, like you said, they used a whole bunch of different materials, and it was pretty much what was on hand or what was the cheapest market value at the time. Um, different types of mixes, different types of paints, anything could cause that. I... I always say, even though it looks really, really cool to put things under black light and to check them out, it is in no way 
a defining characteristic of what is real and what is not. I know some lightsabers pick up the black light, some don't. I know from my Boba Fett collection, I even the stormtroopers, I mean, there'll be certain limbs that pick up the black light on the same stormtrooper where there's certain limbs that don't pick up a uh, black light at all. So I'll post up a picture of a couple of those. I'll put them up on the uh, website for IC Star Wars as well. Um, maybe not the website, the uh, Facebook page. So that way we can all see what I'm talking about and you can get a better idea there. Next up, Mark Fox Morgan. How has collecting changed for you over the years? Have your interests changed? Your focus remained the same since collecting? Do you have an end game or is the quest never ending? Well, that's a bunch of questions, brother, but uh, how has it changed over the years? It gets more expensive and it's way harder to get the things I want. Um, that's how it's changed over the years. Um, how have my interests changed? They have become more expensive and it has become harder to get the things I want. Um, has my focus remained the same? No, this is something I can go into a little bit. Uh, my focus has not remained the same. When I first started out, I only wanted loose. I hated men on card. Don't want men on card. I don't think they look that great. I'm not really connected to them. I was born in 1980, blah, 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 blah. Loose is the only way to go. I used to say that on a regular basis. Um, once you finish your loose complete collection and you finish a secondary loose complete, complete collection, then you move into something else. And so I said, I'm never, ever, ever going to buy droids and Ewoks. I don't like them. So I will get those on Minon card because people kept going, where are your droids and Ewoks when they looked at my two complete sets? So I got those Minon card and then I fell into getting all the other coined carded Minon cards, blah, 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 all the production card backs with coins um, with the figure Minon cards. Very hard run, power of the forces in there, droids, Ewoks, those are all part of it. Um, so I finally finished that and that was about a year and a half ago now and it has been sitting up there and does it look cool? Sure. Is it a neat thing to have? Absolutely. Was it a very tough run to complete? Absolutely. Does it do it for me? For lack of a better description, does it really float my boat? Not really. So what I decided to do, because what does float my boat is that Tower of Loose Boba Fett's I have. So why not sell those? Why not sell the, the Power of the Force stuff that I don't really love in order to build bigger the thing that I really do love? So that's what I've started to go into. I'm starting to go into more and more Boba Fett. And the reason why is because when I look at my Boba Fett section, it gives me more joy than any other section in my collecting room. And when I started off, not when I started off, but once I started branching out, I find that I started collecting things that weren't really in my wheelhouse, but they were impressive pieces that other people liked. And that's why I don't want to really do that anymore. But I've also started to fall into pre-production and prototypes and stuff like that and purchasing first shots and all this weird stuff, bootlegs and, you know, Letty. And I just finished that Top Toys run. Well, quote unquote finished. I still need an upgrade for my Luke and for my Yoda uh, Minon card. But what I'm saying is I've started to collect the things that I really want, that I really love, that isn't just to complete a run or to finish something that I started by accident one day. Um, and that I like a lot more. And it has allowed me to start focusing on higher end bigger items which is actually a good thing because my house kind of looks like a bennegan's already with all the stuff everywhere um it's all displayed i mean it's not like a dump or anything but i mean it'll take you an hour and a half to just look through my room and you'll still miss 20 things so it would be nicer to take some larger items that take up lots of space and have minimal value into smaller items with more value so that way i can take up less space and have it more display 
display better. Like I've seen some collections where it's 20 pieces, except they're phenomenally high end pieces. And the display room is incredible. And I do believe that's more what I'm looking for now instead of volume. I will always keep my complete loose set. I think it's phenomenal. I love looking at them. I love playing with them. I take pictures in the morning. You know what I mean? I, I love loose. I always will. I will always display, like I was saying before, the Falcon, the Hoth Imperial Attack Base, the uh, Probot playset. I will always display those because they're from when I was little and they're what I... They're, they're the things that attach me to this Star Wars thing and what I love so much. So I'm going to keep those kind of things forever and I'll keep the things that I really, really have heart in forever and... Boba Fett is very tough for me to let go of, so I'll probably keep most of those. Um, and there's also no rush. Is there any end to collecting? No. I think that when you get a grail or you get an item, it's like, uh, you know what? Ross Barr said it best. He said it's like a dog chasing a car. You chase the car, you catch the car, and then what are you going to do with it? <laughs> so you put that up on your shelf, you put that grail piece up on your shelf, and you enjoy it for a while, and then you start hunting for the next thing. And the reason why I, I will always continue to hunt is my real life jobs, they're reality enough for me. So it is nice to be able to have the escape into vintage Star Wars. Unfortunately, or fortunately, first world problems, but once your collection gets so massive, you have to start branching out into more rare things, more impossible things to find, or else, yes, there would be an end. Um, I don't feel there is any end in sight. I feel you just have to keep growing alongside your collection instead of just growing your collection. Next up, Scotty Burns. Do you do this for a living or do you have a regular job? <laughs> I have two regular jobs, Scotty Burns. I have a, a trucking company where I move containerized freight out of New York and New Jersey. Um, what I do is, uh, you know what, I'll tell you some of the things I do. I do Learjet fuselages uh, from the Learjet planes. I do those little puff pastries in your grocer's freezer in the little white tub um, that have like the puff pastry with the cream filling inside. Um, pretty much all of those come in from the Netherlands and I'm the guy that gets them to the distribution facilities that put them in your local Walmart. So, uh, stuff like that I do. I also have an art gallery, uh, if you ever want to check it out, www.icgalleries.com. It has nothing to do with Star Wars. It's actually, um, all filled with very high-end fine art, uh, from Africa and South America. Um, no, I, I do two regular jobs. The only reason why I do Star Wars is because I am a self-employed individual and anybody out there that knows what it's like to be self-employed, it is wonderful, except for the times that, Regular folks that are regularly employed with a W-2 get to kick up the problems and the issues to the boss because it always comes to my door. It always comes to my plate. So you got to figure out your own insurance. You got to figure out your own info. You got to figure out how to teach and learn from yourself. It's, it's difficult. And, uh, my jobs are good. They uh, buy the Boba Fetts, so I can't complain, but they are in no way stress-free. They are heavily, highly stressful um, and difficult, and so I do this vintage Star Wars thing to escape. Next question. Um, Jordan P. Peltzer. Hey, Mike, listen to all your casts, and well, I love it. Hey, thanks, brother. Um, you are actually the first podcast I've ever listened to. Believe it or not, brother, the first podcast I've ever listened to is either editing this one or episodes of collector's galaxy um i never seem to have time for podcasts i should do better though because there's some great ones out there there's a couple that i've squeezed in parts of um i really like that uh what is it 
toy box one. I was talking about it last week because it's only like a minute and a half long. So I listen to that one all the time. Um, all right. You said you are actually the first podcast I ever listened to. As a fairly new collector, I think it would be awesome to be interviewed by you to get a different perspective compared to someone who's been collecting for years or more. Anyway, I think my best question for you would be, do you think the values and demand have significantly increased since TFA and Rogue One? And do you think it'll get even crazier prices and demand after The Last Jedi comes out, and why? Thanks again, Michael, for everything you do and for our community, and looking forward to many more podcasts. Yeah, no worries, brother. I'll keep it up as long as you guys keep on listening. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate the questions. Let me try to answer them for you the best I can. Uh, Do I think the values and the demand have significantly increased since TFA and Rogue One? I think since TFA they did, right before TFA, there was a long span where we had nothing Star Wars new, and everything started to drop down. It started to come back a little bit, and then they started, Disney bought it, and then it started to come back heavier and heavier and heavier, and then TFA came out, and it was great. Even if some people out there didn't think it was great, it was great. The box office went through the roof. It made tons and tons of money, and whenever something makes tons and tons of money, we all know from watching Spaceballs, it's time to merchandise it. So there's merchandising, merchandising. We have it everywhere. It's in our Legos. It's in our toothbrushes. It's in our towels. It's in our paper towels. It's on bananas now, I've been told. Um, They have actual Star Wars stickers on bananas. My coffee creamer had Boba Fett on it. And was I thankful? Absolutely, because I love that Star Wars is everywhere now, and I love that we have been able to come out of the dark of our basements into the light and wear our Star Wars t-shirts and people not only do not pick on us as they walk by for wearing such a nerdy t-shirt, but you get the thumbs up and the nice shirt, bro. Which is really, really cool. So I love that. Will it keep increasing? Absolutely. There's more and more Star Wars fans every day. It's going to keep increasing forever. Um, That's why you always have to collect for the now you have to be looking at the current market now and you have to get a good price in the current market and it can be done with patience and fortitude and time but will we ever go back to a time where 12 backs are 20 bucks a piece or proof card sets of revenge proofs were 50 bucks i mean these things are things that happened it's fact um but it'll never be again and the reason why it'll never be again is because It's a double-edged sword. It's the same wonderful reason why when you wear a Star Wars shirt in public, you get that thumbs up. It has changed. It has changed from a nerdy little corner of reality that people hang out in to part of everyday society, everyday life. Everybody knows who Luke Skywalker is, Darth Vader, everybody. And that's a crazy thing to say. I mean, the only thing you could really equate it to is, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else that's like that. Star Wars has just gotten huge, and everybody knows about it. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Do I think it's ever going to stop? No, I really don't, because I'm not going to stop. I know a million other guys that aren't going to stop, and as you said, you're a new collector, so new people are coming in every every day. Um, next one, do you think it'll get crazier prices and demand after The Last Jedi comes out, and why? Yes, absolutely, on certain items. I think with Star Wars, certain items will start to go down, items that have not been mentioned um, for a long, long time, whether it be Walrus Man or, you know, random ones. I mean, I know Walrus Man walked by sort of in, uh, what was it, Rogue One, but uh, like main characters will always continue to grow 
shoot, I think that Luke Jedi is going to go through the roof. If you have a whole bunch of Luke Jedis, if you're a Luke Jedi collector, buy them now. Because they're making a movie where Mark Hamill is going to look like Luke Jedi for most of it. Um, and it's coming out in December. So he's definitely going to go up. Look at what happened to Luke when he just took off his hood last time Luke Jedi doubled in price. Um, next up. And do you think it'll get even crazier price? We did that one. Thanksgiving, Michael. Oh, also, to have you on for an interview. Yeah, why not, brother? I'll interview anybody. Um, I was actually thinking I'm going to get my friend uh, and admin of IC101, Jason Annabel, because he came in fresh to this whole Star Wars thing about a year, year and a half ago, and I have never seen somebody with so much passion hunt the wild as hard as this guy does. So I'd love to have him on and get some tips from him. And uh, yeah, sure, brother, shoot me an email and we'll figure out an episode you can come on or something that you could talk about. Um, next up, Dave O'Brien. What other toys did you play with along with your Star Wars? Maybe an ICGI Joe group is on the horizon. I have no idea about any of those things. Um, did I have G.I. Joe's? Nope. I have one Snake Eyes. He is still sir, sitting on my fridge currently in my game room uh, where all the Star Wars stuff is. Uh, he has a broken uh, pelvic area. <laughs> and that's the way he stays. It doesn't really bother me. I hear you can put him back together or something like that, but I don't care. It's uh, not really my forte. Did I ever play with G.I. Joe? Yes, I went over to my friend Mark's house. Uh, I had some Star Wars. He had every G.I. Joe thing on the entire planet. Um, so yeah, we played with them a little bit. I was mostly into Star Wars. I remember Crash Test Dummies. Uh, they got big when I was a little bit older um, and could like buy my own toys. I remember buying those because you could crash them and they exploded, which was cool. Um, what else? I was more of like a movie kid or a cartoon kid. I was so huge into Star Wars when I was younger. I mean, we used to hang out. There were there were five of us, and we used to play D&D, Dungeons & Dragons, believe it or not. That's how long ago. And uh, we were huge Star Wars fans, so we used to watch all the movies. And that's probably why I still watch all the movies all the time. I mean, I've probably seen the movies more than most of the people on the groups. Um, the reason why is because it's become ingrained in me. I mean, I can remember how that group of friends, we used to have this thing. If you wanted to be in our group, like the club, you know what I mean? Quote unquote club. It was five of us. But if you wanted to be in our club, you had to be able to recite the entire beginning of Return of the Jedi all the way until, uh, you know, Invader lands and he walks into the beginning of the Death Star. Um, so that's something you had to do. You know what? I bet you I could still do it. Here, let me try. Okay. Are you ready? Let me see if I still got it. Ready? All right. This is from Return of the Jedi. This is the beginning of the Return of the Jedi until Vader um, lands the shuttle, goes inside uh, with Moff Gerard or Jared or Marf, whatever. Anyway. All right. You ready? Beginning of Return of the Jedi. Where see us. We're in a shuttle in space. Ready? And you see the Death Star out there. Okay. Command station. This is ST-321. Code clearance blue. We're starting our approach. Deactivate the security shield. The security deflector shield will be deactivated when we have confirmation of your code transmission. Stand by. You are clear to proceed. We're starting our approach. Inform the commander that Lord Vader's shuttle has arrived. And then the, uh, the operator there goes, Yes, sir. And then we get to the place where the shuttle lands, and there's all the stormtroopers lined up, just like on the front of that Imperial shuttle box. And then it goes, uh, Lord Vader. No, wait. Lord Vader. Lord Vader. Let me do it. Lord Vader, this is an unexpected pleasure. <laughs> we are honored by your presence. You may dispense with the pleasantries, Commander. I am here to put you back on schedule. 
I assure you, Lord Vader, my men are working as fast as they can. Perhaps I can find new ways to motivate them. I'll tell you, this station will be operational as planned. The Emperor does not share in your optimistic appraisal of the situation. But he asks the impossible. I need more men. Then perhaps you can tell him when he arrives. <gasps> the Emperor is coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Ha <laughs> ha! Yes! That, come on. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's Look at that. Muscle memory. Well, anyway, that's the reason. Why do I play Star Wars, man? Because I'm a Star Wars nerd from forever. Um, And I don't know. We used to always... You know, it, it, there was G.I. Joe. There was Transformers. They, they all were around. Um... But nothing, nothing captured us like Star Wars captured us. I mean, it was a way of life. It really was. Uh, next question. Jim Magnum. What do you think your life would be like if you didn't have Star Wars in the IC, which I see consuming a lot of your time? Where do you see yourself now before? What would fill the void? I often think about how we start somewhere and have lives and other hobbies. Where could we have landed? Uh, where could we have landed? Occupied our time, channeled our finances, fostered our imagination, etc. I guess it's just something that begs for examination. Uh, where would I be without Star Wars? Well, I would be. Hmm. Here's the thing: some people may look at this thing we do as a money suck or a money drain. They may look at it as time-consuming and difficult. I don't. I look at it as freedom. I look at it like I was a little kid and my parents split up and it gave me a group of friends and it gave me something to hold on to. I came from a little tiny town in Connecticut where it didn't matter who you were or where you were from. If you weren't rich, you were never going to be anybody. Um... And a lot of those parallels, parallels, as much as I am not a huge fan of Luke Skywalker, um, a lot of those parallels I see in Luke. Um, he came from nowhere. And for some reason, some farm boy from a planet in the middle of nowhere that shouldn't have mattered in any way ended up being the most pivotal person in the entire universe. And that gives you hope. And rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> to steal a line from Rogue One. No, what would I be doing without Star Wars? I'll tell you, my vocabulary would be completely different. Um, I am aware that the word advantageous exists because Lando Calrissian said it. Uh, stuff like that. I also believe that it gave me a group of friends. And it gave me that community feeling when I was little. And it taught me lessons. I mean, in Star Wars, the bad guys are the bad guys. The good guys are the good guys. And you could tell why. The whole time, you could tell why. And for somebody in my position when I was younger, with having distrust with the whole father leaving thing, I mean, that ends up getting into your soul, and you see it, and you learn what it is to be a good person from that kind of stuff. I mean, Han Solo, for example. Han Solo, he was a smuggler, he was blah, 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 he did all these horrible things, he used to run spice and stuff like that, and then eventually... He ends up linking up with these people that become his friends, and then he literally kills himself for his friends. Um, well, not literally, but he, well, yeah, I guess, eventually, literally kills himself for his friends. That is a 
staple of my life that makes me who I am and I wouldn't change it for all the money in the world. Would I be able to focus this money into something else? Sure, man, sure. Maybe I have a beach house in Florida instead of all the Star Wars stuff I got. But what would I do? I'd have another bill to pay. I'd have another HVAC to break. I'd have another water heater to explode. In our lives, we need something that relieves stress. And we're not going to get that from the internet. We're not going to get that from going out and partying. We're not going to get that from buying houses and stuff like that. We get that from hanging out together and talking about Star Wars. It brings us back to a better time when we were little kids, when there weren't so many pressures on us, when there weren't mortgages to pay or bills to pay or medical expenses to pay or, you know, shoot, man, we're all getting older. You can't tell me that most of us don't wake up every morning with some kind of ache or pain. It's no longer just jumping out of a bathtub after getting hammered the night before and being fine all day and going to class. That is gone. That is the past. And uh, if I didn't didn't do Star Wars right now, I shoot, man. I would think I'd have some kind of nervous breakdown or stuff. My, my, my real life jobs are so difficult and there's always somebody yelling at me. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to be able to escape and to be able to pretend and to be able to recite the lines of Return of the Jedi that I haven't done and shoot, gotta be 15 years. That's why I do it, man. It's, it's, it's awesome. Would I change anything? No. Could you change stuff and then make it better? Yeah, absolutely, brother. Well, I don't know if make it better, but could you have made a whole different life? Absolutely. But the thing is, and the thing that we all have to remember, is we never know what tomorrow holds, what the next day holds. Maybe you could have been a multi-billionaire. You know what I mean? Maybe you could have made tons and tons of money making a rap album. That could happen. The thing is, is Biggie got killed. Tupac got killed. So it didn't work out for them. I'd much rather be some guy collecting Star Wars toys. You know what I mean? You never know how it's going to pan out. And I am happy with the way it's panned out for me because I get to meet great folks. I get to hang out with great folks. I get to talk to about something that I'm passionate about. My wife is totally on board and we collect together and hunt together. I could not be happier and I would not change a thing. Except maybe I would have bought a whole bunch of rocket-firing Boba Fetts instead of going to college. Because I don't know how useful college was. <laughs> but it was a good time. Next up. Uh, Lando Thrawn. If Boba Fett didn't exist, would Lobot indeed be your favorite character? <laughs> That's funny. No, man, never. Um, I always got a thing for bad guys with helmets. To tell you the truth, if Boba Fett didn't exist, it would probably be Darth Vader. Or it would be the ATST driver. Uh... Stormtrooper is always a close second for me because I think they're really cool. But, uh, yeah, it would definitely be a bad guy with a helmet. I just think they're so awesome and so Star Wars-y, you know? Uh, next up, Doug Hurd. What's your thoughts on high production value? Think Game of Thrones TV series as opposed to cinema releases for various story arcs away from the main saga. I think it would be great as long as they did a high production value one. Um, if they come out with another young Indiana Jones, I'll pass. Uh, but they are talking about doing a TV spinoff, a live-action Star Wars. I don't even know how they're going to pull something like that off. Maybe somebody wrote it up wrong. But uh, I have heard rumblings about it. I think it would be really cool. Um, the word Netflix has been passed around uh, on some of the sites that I visit. We'll see how it pans out. I think the more Star Wars, the better. As long as they don't make something corny and they don't lose what the heart is of Star Wars, I think we'll be fine. And I think that will be solid as long as Kathleen Kennedy is at the head. 
because I think she is either so passionate about this because of the love or she is so passionate about it because it affects her bottom line. But either way, she knows what Star Wars is and she viciously cuts out people that try to hurt it. So I think we'll be fine. And I'm excited to see anything. Man, I'll take new Star Wars all the time. I love Star Wars. I'm still watching Rebels. There are new Star Wars TV, high-quality TV series. It's Rebels. I suggest you get out there and watch it. It's really, really good. Um, next up, Darren Ring. Any good stories about receiving authentic vintage Kenner items from former employees or relatives of former employees? No, dude. I don't get anything like that. I started back up collecting vintage shoot six seven years ago um i have not had any dealings or talks with former employees even though i would love to um i actually do have one lead so maybe that's the way it starts off and maybe you ask me the same question in six to eight months and i'll have a different answer for you brother but i don't have any wonderful stories about that i'm sure we can bring on some old school collectors that uh that have a ton of them um unfortunately during the dark times i was in college drinking beers <laughs> Next up, Tom Fitzsimmons. How much wood would a chuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Funny, dude. But the answer is seven. He would chuck seven woods. Uh, William Lee. How do you plan to market the IC to all the new people that have become interested in vintage Star Wars over the holiday season with a new movie release? Other than the podcast, what are you doing outside Facebook and by extension? What should IC members do to attract new members? Brother, the IC has been built on word of mouth. All you got to do is tell your friends. If your friends say, hey, I collect, but I don't have anybody to talk to, say, hey, I can know a place where there's 15,000 people that'll talk with you. Um, it's all about word of mouth. It's all about talking to different people. I don't really market it. It's kind of all happened organically. I mean, I do my job and I do my part and I try to do my best. And when somebody doesn't know about it, I do my best to tell them about it and have them join up. But uh, that's the way it's always worked. And that's the way it always will work. If people enjoy where they are, they will certainly tell their friends. It's just the way we're wired. Next up, uh, Jonathan Pollock. Hey, Mike, let's say you get an AFA 80 rocket firing FET. I'm going to crack it out. Uh, what are you going to do if it doesn't fire after you take it out of the case? <laughs> um, would you sell it and start all over? Just curious. Um, if it doesn't fire when I took it out of the case, like if I mess it up or something, but I mean, I would look cause you can kind of tell if it will, but if it didn't fire, if there was something broken, if it just, you know, didn't work, then yeah, what I would do is I would try to get another one and I would try to sell this one for the best I could get. So that way I'd be able to offset the cost of the new one. But yes, I will fire a rocket FET one day. To tell you the truth, if somebody just wants me to give them like $500 to shoot their rocket FET, I'd probably be cool with that. Um, feel free to PM me. <laughs> Next up, uh, that's it. We are all out of questions. Um, those are all the questions. So up next, what we're going to be doing is we're going to start rolling into our interview section with Christian Slade as we dive into the art of Star Wars. He's going to tell us about some of the things he's done in the past, some of the things he's doing currently. And he's also going to tell you aspiring Star Wars artists how to start off with drawing Star Wars for actual commissions and the best way to get your name out there if you are a star wars artist so without further ado let's move into our interview for episode seven with christian slade all about the art of star wars the emperor has been expecting you welcome to ic star wars episode seven we have christian slade here for our interview on the art of star wars it's always tough to get to know somebody in a really quick interview, but here at IC Star Wars, we do a little lightning round to break the ice. So, welcome, Christian. How are you? 
Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, brother. Thank you for being on. Um, are you ready to do a lightning round? I am. Let's do it. All Let's right. Jump. Yep. What's your uh, favorite Star Wars movie? Um, I'm going to go with A New Hope, the first one. Very it used nice. to be Empire for a while, but yeah, A New Hope. What made you switch? Now, don't get me wrong. I love Empire and Return of the Jedi, but I mean, A New Hope, it all goes back to the beginning. You know, nothing beats that first shot that everyone talks about, the Star Destroyer chasing the blockade runner. And then when you get down to Tatooine, it that's when things really start taking off. And yeah. it just sets the stage. It's just too classic. It's just too good. When I think Star Wars, when you hear the word Star Wars, like something pops in your mind, like pictures and images, it's always Tatooine for me, like the rocky landscape and all the you know, creatures, aliens, Luke, the land speeder. I agree so. that those dual sons where he's standing there on the, uh, the little, That's them. yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, <laughs> a new hope. Cool. It, it's, it's just too good. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite character? Oh gosh. Tough. It depends what day is it, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it, it changes. I, mean, I love so many of them for different reasons, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely going, with uh with a non uh big five or big six you know like uh -huh. uh, you know I, luke and Chew, they're great but i'm a big fan you'll hear we'll probably mention again the in the talk about the minor characters i'm a huge uh fan of the cantina and java's palace creatures and uh and the bounty hunters and stuff but uh, actually you know what though so i'd say tuscan raider because he's kind of a spin-off of that that was the first figure i ever got and, nice. uh, I'd say Tuscan Raider cause he's on the, he's definitely not a major character, but he was in with the original, you know, release. So yeah, one of the sand people. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Uh, what is your, uh, favorite star Wars toy line from a new hope to TFA? Oh, oh, it'd have to be the original stuff. The, yeah. The, 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 the Kenner stuff when they came out with the original 12 backs, those figures, and those first 12. That line, yeah, that, that was amazing. You're a that fan was... of the racetrack, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right. I, yeah, Empire Return was great too, but again, going back to those originals, when those figures were first coming up in stores, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was, it changed everything, the whole toy industry and everything. So. What? Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, twenty porgs versus one wicket in Mortal Kombat. Who wins and why? It's got to be those numbers. Yeah, it's Wicket's got hands. He's sweet too. Wicket was like, you know, um, he had that like tilt the head like a like a innocent dog. Yeah. No, Wicket not one of the more vicious Ewoks. Now Low Gray or that's right. Know, yeah, that's why I didn't pick Low Gray because so Wicket we I don't even know if Wicket could even commit murder. I think during, <laughs> I don't know how, how aggressive was he during Endor. You know, he's more like on the sidelines cheering him on. I, sure enough. Yeah. Porgs are going to take him down. It'll be like Piranha. Walk. Well, Lucasfilm calls you tomorrow uh, and they say you can choose the next spinoff film. What do you pick? And it can't yeah, be I the Porg versus Wicket movie. <laughs> that cool. That would be cool. like a horror movie. Yeah. Like a Chucky or something. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of Halloween here. Uh, 
Yeah, I knew you were going to ask this question. I was thinking about it before we got on the phone. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to my love of the Cantina and Jabba's Palace. Um, I, there was a movie going back in the 90s. I think it was, like, called Four Rooms or something. I, I only saw it once, and I, I have bare thin recollections of it, but it was like four different directors and they each did a short story and they somehow like came together i think there was overlap in the films where some oh, character yeah. uh, came into another scene you know what was like it called? A, was it four rooms four rooms tarantino I think, like, was one of the directors mm-hmm, and yeah. like robert rodriguez that whole right, right. gang and uh i i always thought like it'd be cool to do and maybe we'll see it because it's very experimental, that kind of approach, and Star Wars is such a, especially on the big screen, it's such a protected property right now. Right. They're being precious. They're using, you know, white gloves for it. You don't want to get too crazy. And mm. um, but I think like Netflix is doing with Daredevil and the Marvel stuff. I could see a Star Wars TV show where you do get more experimental, where you get those directors that are trying something out. So I would love to see. Let's do a movie that's a whole bunch of short stories, like an adapt, not even an adaptation. You could rewrite it, uh, like a Tales from the Cantina. Like I want to know about Weoslia, who they sold the land speeder to. Where'd she go with that? Like, right. I, I want, where's the Efamon movie or the? Uh, actually, I would love an Amanamon film. That'd that be neat, just to see what he's about. Yeah, and like, what's where those skulls come from on the staff or? Well, you know what? I, I love yeah. that, man. I actually had a Boba Fett commissioned with an Amana Man staff with the bounty hunters as heads. Oh, God. It looks really cool. I'll send you a picture. Or I'll put up a picture with the podcast. Uh, that'd be cool. That sounds awesome. So, but yeah, yeah. Amana Man film. That'd yeah. be neat just to see what he's about. <laughs> I found there was one like artist picture that was on uh, Google one night when Amana Man was a uh, figure of the week. And, yes. uh they were like running around in some jungle and there was a whole bunch of them and it was really cool, man. And it's, yeah. it's neat when people think of different ways these things could be, you know? Yeah. They're scary. That, that yeah. They scary. seem to be a formidable, formidable enemy with those long arms and claws and everything. Definitely. Well, cool brother. That was a great lightning round. Um, I know yeah. you, so let's fill in the listeners. Yeah. Uh, Christian Slade is a member of the Imperial commissary. Of course. Uh, he is an extremely talented artist, and his art is sold at, uh, it's actually, he has Disney Parks exclusives that I'm sure you guys have seen at the Star Tours gift shop, uh, Tatooine Traders, Hollywood Studios, Walt Disney World, stuff like that. Uh, he also has written a set of heartwarming stories. Uh, they're a graphic, no- a graphic novel series called Corgi, uh, and they follow Sprout and Ivy. Uh, it's a children's book, but it's good for anybody all ages. The art in there is crazy, crazy good. I actually checked it out after I first met you and you talked to me about it. And wow, man, I, I can't draw a stick figure. So I'm always shocked. And I mean, this stuff is amazing. Thank you. Thank you and uh, also just as a little footnote, he also illustrated uh, the New York times bestselling children's book, where to dig or sleep at night. So he's got that going for him too. And uh, I saw today when I was looking at you, man, uh, Ranger Rick. Yes, think, man. I love Ranger Rick. You're not, you're going to love I am, as we're speaking right now, I am laying watercolors down on a painting in front of me. <laughs> so I've got you on speakerphone, and I've been illustrating uh, Ranger Rick Jr. is the name of the magazine. Yep. It's for ages, uh, I think it's, it's four, to, four to eight. I used to get it when I was four to eight, man. <laughs> oh. And it's been around a while. I had it, too. I I got the gig when I first started doing it um, many years ago. It uh, I was I had it as a kid, too. I remember 
it's like, oh my gosh, that magazine's still around. It is wonderful. I, this is my 10th year I'm celebrating. I've illustrated a story for them every month for the last 10 years. Nice. Which Congratulations. Thanks. Because as artists, you kind of hop around at different projects. And so it's been, we've really been, you know, lucky and, and to be able to, to fall into something like this. And it's the same story. It's Ranger Rick and his buddies. So I once in a while try to fit some Star Wars stuff in there. I think one at the one uh going back a few halloween issues a few years ago my my son i made him a boss costume nice and uh, <laughs> i actually had one of the characters dress up as bosk in the background <laughs> so, it, it could have been just an ochre colored yellow lizard in a space suit but for those that know it, it's boss it's bosk <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, all those awesome reasons aren't the reason why I had you on. I had you on because uh, you're a Star Wars collector, and that's a great thing. Yes. And that's a prerequisite for being an interviewee on this show. You have to collect. Yes. But I have seen your collection, and wow. So we'll talk about that later. But uh, without any further delay, do you want to hop into some essay questions? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. Nice, brother. Uh, All right. First, uh, what is your first Star Wars memory? Oh, oh, it's it's a good one. It's nice. It's the toys, actually. So this goes back. This is probably why I'm a collector. And even though I remember seeing the movie, I'm 74, so I was young. But I do I did see a theatrical release of the film, and we got the uh, the the Death Star game, the um, Escape from the Death Star, the vintage game. So back then, we didn't have VHS tapes or you know, or any of that reruns. And so what we did was we had to relive the, the movies with the little pictures in the, on the, the, you know, the deck of the board game or in the, if you were lucky enough to get that album, the, the record, mm-hmm. you open up the find photos, um, in the magazines, didn't have a lot of those, had a few, but it was the toys. And when those toys hit, this is, this and this memory is like burned, you know. And AC <laughs> Penny used to have a cafeteria in their department store, and some of you guys might recall this, uh, your listeners. And they had like it was right in the middle of the store, and it was like blocked off by orange, you know, plastic glass kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting in there with my mom and my older brother and my grandparents, are having lunch, and there it was right next to the toy section, and they're unloading boxes and. My brother and I go, oh, let's go walk over and let's go take a look. We were finished. So we walk over and they're putting out the first Star Wars figures to hit the pegs. Oh, wow. And I was like, I remember like they were literally coming out of the boxes. I remember putting them on the pegs and and the background was that white with all the holes in it. Like <laughs> seeing those vintage photos. And I was like, what? You This is like you could get a piece of the movie. Like and in my young mind, I remember thinking like, it's real like like star wars is real like yeah so even then like i thought we were just getting a window like who's i i thought it was real and so i'm like okay this is now it's it's in our world now it's off the movie screen we could these are things you could buy and so my brother and i run over and my grandfather's like i'll buy you one figure each so we both run back over he chose now there's more kids i remember Uh i remember there's now there's kids coming in from everywhere it was like a you know, vultures coming in like a zebra <laughs> in the, <laughs> fell down. And like, like they're coming in. I remember it getting a little intense because they, they were like just kids taking them. You know, it was getting yeah. crazy. The very the first, first hunt. It was the first Force Friday. <laughs> totally. 
Yes, yes. And so I, my brother picks Luke Skywalker, and I picked um, t- Sand People. I, t- yeah. I, I picked the Tusken Raiders. <laughs> and so that was it. And that was like that is the that is the strongest Star Wars memory. That and uh, I, I will mention a footnote: Empire Strikes Back. Star Wars was awesome, of course. And then Empire comes out, and I remember sitting in the theater, it's, and uh, it's one of the most vivid experiences of the the big reveal at the end and when he said that like that screen movie screen never looked bigger it never right. looked like i just remember it was like my mind raced back to the beginning of new hope when, when uncle on had mentioned it you know and i was like i was like okay star wars was big now it's beyond that like this just got you know this just got amazing this yeah, got game changer yeah, blew my mind it blew my mind and Luckily, I wasn't spoiled or anything going in, so it was a reveal to me. And I had some people say that, you know, it was, oh, it was a lie, he's lying, and all this thing. I, I knew immediately. I'm like, that makes so much sense. This yeah. is the best story ever told. <laughs> <laughs> this is so amazing. And I became obsessed with Star Wars after that. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, those are my two strongest Star Wars memories. So, oh, sorry to ramble. No, 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 they're perfect, man. Um, <laughs> You took my second question, what got you into collecting? Because you could tell it's that rush. You had yeah. it day one, man. <laughs> it was cool. My brother eventually got really into sports and was more well-rounded than me. Um, so he diversified as he got older, and whereas I stayed right heavy on Star Wars. My older brother, four years older, he collected Empire. He, he dropped off around Empire. So yeah. I ended up getting his figures. So nice. It was great. So between... The two of us, we had a full set, and so I was able to get those, and that was awesome. And um, and then I went right on through Jedi. And uh, but I've always been a collector. Like I'll mention this real quick. It, I think you just either have the bug or you don't. I've always found beauty in like you know just the whole. It probably goes back to caveman DNA of gathering and hunting and um, and like having the store and building it up like your supply of whatever it is. I this is this is real primal i was in third grade so it was it was you know this was jedi was hitting i think that year or whatever but i we moved to san diego and it was a developed area there were like new houses going up mm-hmm. i used to roam through the construction houses the sites and pick up colored wires they would wire the homes and then just cut the little scraps of wire off right and leave on the dirt and they're but they're all variety like some would look like candy cane stripes, some were like green, mint green, you know, blue, orange, yellow, like, and I just collected. They had tons of them, and I'm like, look at these things. And you could bend them and, and like make little things. Like I don't know, they're just so cool, and they're metal. And I remember I used to play with them with the Star Wars figures. Like I'd make little areas and houses and or whatever they use, hold them in their hands as weapons or whatever. But I kept them all in this giant shoebox I used to carry around. Nice. And, uh, it's like my wire collection and it was known as christian's wire collection and <laughs> i had that I, you know for a year or two um oh and then real quick this is another funny one then i had a bottle cap collection one summer mm-hmm. and i loved the metal this is when they did metal bottle caps and we were near mexico so we used to get like some cool like you know uh, you know ones with those different writing and they were those were different than the ones in uh, in san diego over the border right right and the I, variants yeah, you're right. there you go. Right? I didn't know it at the time exactly, and I was collecting foreign. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So Letty. I kept, I kept them all in a big bear, 
bag, which is a grocery store there. I don't know if they're around anymore, but it was a brown paper bag, and I'd carry that around all summer. We before we we left for the weekend, my family and I went on a little trip, and I had dumped my whole bottle cap collection on my bed. Was looking at them, and then we left for the whole weekend. We came back home. I go in my room to go to sleep, and I said, "Uh oh, I think my something's wrong with my bed. It's moving. My bed is moving." My dad comes in the room. The whole bed was covered with ants. Uh. <laughs> so there was the syrup in the in the caps and the and so the it was crawling. So my dad takes the four corners of the comforter. He rolls it up and then he marches it out to the trash can, and that was the end of the bottle cap collection, uh-huh. <laughs> which I've never tried to reclaim. So I just moved on. From so yeah, I definitely through my whole life I've always kind of had the collecting bug. So, yeah. Well, I uh, I know you're a bootleg collector also. You collect vintage bootlegs. What got you into those? Uh, those are weird and interesting. As you... Ooh, I think I lost Hello. you there. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, you're breaking Hello? up. Oh, okay. Let's see. Maybe move the phone. It might help. Is that better? Uh, it's really muffled. Uh-oh. Okay, let me see. Uh, let me reset. Oh, wait, wait. Is that better? Here, talk again. Is that better? Yeah, that sounds better. Good. Yeah. I just moved the phone, so. No, you're fine. Okay, cool. Uh, talking about bootlegs. Yeah. Um, I know you're a collector of vintage bootlegs. What made you start uh, getting into those? That's a great story. So it was a Star Wars celebration here in Orlando. It was the first one that was first one or the second that was here. It was so it was 2010 and 2012. I think it was 2012, and I went to the swap meet area the, uh, during the show, the collector swap meet, which is a great place to meet other collectors and and uh, to see stuff you never thought was collected before, some really strange stuff. And I walked by a table, and uh, Joe Glacius had a there's a box with like this banana yellow low gray. It looked like an old banana peel, just. Mm-hmm. With a like an aluminum foil hat, it was like, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is that? And uh, Joe's like, oh, bootlegs from Mexico, and it was they were so ugly and so bizarre. Like I loved them. Like they were just <laughs> so <laughs> next to me, my good buddy, longtime Star Wars collector as well. Like gave me the ugh and just moved on. And then he comes back and finds me ten minutes later, and I'm trying to negotiate like a big handful of these things, like a dozen of them. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. So, you know, it's funny. I call them parallel, like kind of like a parallel universe figure. So it's like, this is what they were collecting with uh, down South when I was in Southern California, not that far away. And, um, you know, it's like figures, you know, the shapes of those things so well, like you collect for so long and so many years. And, and I love that stuff, too. Obviously, that's the core of my collection, the licensed stuff. But the bootlegs are like, well, it's like the licensed stuff. It's like the things you already know. But they're uh, they're just really weird colors. Yeah, <laughs> like sort really- of. Yeah. <laughs> finally get all the licensed stuff, kind of. And uh, it's just another branch on the tree that you could, you know, climb up. You know, there's like collecting the tree and... You know, you could go in different directions, and, and that's just one I found myself going down just because those things are so crazy. Well, see, I've done it too, but uh, it was more the uh, when do you ever see it? That's what makes, you know, because it's yeah. with Star Wars collecting, lots of times, you know, you see things and you oversee things, and 
You know what I'm saying? A yak face is not going to blow my hair back, but if he was purple and had an arm growing out of his forehead, that would be cool. Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, it's kind of cool, too. I mean, you mentioned art before and me being having done some Star Wars art uh, for Lucasfilm. Like, there is something pop arty, uh, artistic. Um, And I know you, you own some galleries and deal with art. So I think bootlegs when you just look at them they look like pop art they look like a uh, an interpretation mm-hmm. it's a way to express your love of your love of low gray or <laughs> or your love of whatever you know which all goes back to the love of star wars so well, it's all part of the thing it's just an extension that ends up being a lot of the ways that you tell once you get into bootleg collecting is you tell if it's real and vintage and old, or if it's one of the modern knockoffs, is how much love you can see put into the actual figure. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah agreed, agreed. And you know, like with anything, you know, like you always are always promoting the idea of educate, educate. Absolutely. The more you yeah. get into these things, that's when you really start going down the, you know, the rabbit hole and seeing all the different variations and all the different nuances. And and when you look at that, and even like the formation of the plastic, you could tell if plastic is old just by looking at it and the texture that that's on it. It's almost like coin collecting. Like they talk about crust on Mm -hmm. coin collection. I don't collect coins, but I've uh, bumped into circles with the, you know, with people that do that. And they talk about, they don't want your coin. Don't clean the coin. Like it's all about, like if you clean it, it's considered restored or whatever. Like, right want it like that age they want that they call it the crust you know on an old coin so it's kind of like that with bootlegs because they a lot of them have been through the mill kind of whereas if you get like a princess leia at a garage sale here in the states it's like you want to clean it up right and then you sell it actually improve the value if you didn't clean it it'd probably be worth less you couldn't sell for as much whereas the bootlegs it's almost like the rougher they are it's almost the better right isn't that the it's more the... just don't mess with them. What happens is people will touch them up or repaint them, and that's, I mean, their yeah. value goes through the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, yeah. as cool as they are, they're just another thing to collect. It's not, I don't consider myself a bootleg, like, focus collector or any of that. It's just something, it's just another thing I collect. But one that is also, um, it's got a nice, cool little uh, built-in community. Like, I noticed right away, like, once I got into bootlegs, it was like, oh, wow, and these are the six people that collect them. Right. Oh. Um, so you know and it's like you're immediately in the club and uh there's other very very, you know i I know lily letty you got a you know all the different you know power of the force you got and then people that like just do prototypes like if you just fall into prototypes say i'm gonna do prototypes like immediately you're gonna find a nice group that's already been there been doing it and they're like that's their focus they collect other stuff but really the prototypes are their baby and, uh, and, of course, these are all overlap. There's people that collect bootlegs and prototypes, and then there's people that collect it all. You know, so, right. Yeah, but uh, it's cool. Uh, what is uh, what is your favorite piece in your whole collection, if you had to pick just one? Uh, my favorite piece is definitely the that first Tusken Raider, that first Sand People figure, the first one I got. I think it's worth about 50 cents. It's been through the mill. <laughs> thing is that's got some crust on it i haven't even cleaned it it's pretty rough it's got no cape no gaffy stick i think some of the i think i might have even bit some of the little horns off the top (laughs) there but uh yeah it's funny i actually got a nice minty one many years ago uh, and i have it next to it so you can see what a nice minty one looks like 
and then there's mine from childhood kind of sitting there, you know, leaning against them. But, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's my absolute favorite. That's um, awesome, man. Cause, uh, yeah, those are the toughest to come by. My, uh, yeah. my, my favorite is, uh, that B wing pilot, but, uh, it was the first thing I ever bought and said, I wasn't going to open. So I'm going to be a billionaire. <laughs> that's amazing foresight there too. I mean, yeah. I, I, Except I picked a B wing pilot. <laughs> I, it's, it's a great ship actually we <laughs> i love it man i love it. i actually have a little side b-wing focus i don't really show people <laughs> you still have a lily letty one i you do a... yeah that's cool that's cool i wonder how many other versions of well i guess let's see the other b-wing who is it steve steve danley from Kivecast. he's a b-wing focus mm-hmm. collector he's got but that that wouldn't be too tough to do. I mean, I can't imagine there'd be too much. But you start building uh, all B wing stuff, and that'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. I have the uh, well, I don't have, but the uh, I know there was a buy logo one. Um, okay. And I think there was a try logo one. I don't know enough. Probably Meccano or something. You end up finding. That's the thing, man. Whenever you get a little focus, you end up really digging into the items, and you find so much more. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, B-Wing's great. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're an old-school collector, brother, so regale us with a story of $5 Vinyl Cape Jawas or something uh, like that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, the I don't, that's something I still don't have. I never got a Vinyl Cape Jawa. Really? I never ended up with that. Yeah, by the time I got my Jawa, it was the cloth one. And uh, we got I got figures, you know, pretty much, you know, it was like birthday and Christmas and one you know, two special occasions. It wasn't really, uh, you know, they weren't like all at once, you know, not like right. now go out and as an adult and just buy every, you know, force awakens figure on the day it comes out, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, there's a sense of, uh, you know, binging there, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of nice when you piece it out and just put it together. There's something nice about that. Uh, it makes but, it worth more. I mean, I mowed lawns for mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you I really, get it. Yeah, I was talking about that going back a ways. Like, it's funny how, you know, when you collect, when you go on the journey collecting, everybody, every every stage has um, things that that are special about that stage. Like, when you first start collecting, like, something, and it's like, you don't know much about it, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got maybe one or two, and then you get three or four, and then you start learning about it. Those are very exciting. It's almost like the beginning of like a relationship. You're like, oh my gosh, like what is this? You know, and it's like, and then as you go on through it, you all of a sudden you have whatever boxes or whatever assemblage. Oh, you got a bunch of these, and now you're up to eighty items of the same thing, and you like <laughs> still are into it, but yeah. does it still have that right? You know what I mean? That um, that excitement, that passion, is it still there? Well, yeah, kind of, but not like it was in the beginning. It's just different. So things to think about, like as that I collect, um, you know, at these stages, it's almost like stages of, uh, you know, any relationship or like, you know, growing up in your childhood, like there's different phases. And I look back at my life now and I'm 43. So it's like, um, we're 44. Oh gosh, I forgot. <laughs> After 40, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, you know, when you look back, it's like there's these moments in my life where like I was really focused on my career where I'm like looking at like I really want to be somewhere else. I'm like, I can't wait to get there. I have this goal in mind. I just can't wait. But then you look back and you're like, wow, you know, that time in my life was really great. Like yeah. I 
I did. I really, I hope I appreciated it. I don't know if I did. You know what I mean? Like I was so, but at the time, like, you know, artistically, I remember doing, I did, I was in college. I did caricatures at SeaWorld. That was one of my first jobs, you know, mm-hmm. doing art. I was in college and I was just going out there on weekends and I was doing caricatures and it was rough, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't want to be here. I want to be doing, I want to be doing like art for books and films and, and working on big commissions in my studio at home. Why do I have to come out here and do this? Yet I was in Florida. I was in my, you know, real early 20. I was like 20 you know, years right. old. I was, you know, 20, 21. I'm like, you know, this is, this is amazing. Like I live in Florida. It's beautiful weather. I had the great group of artists and we used to joke around a lot of big star fans there we in fact my friend ray big stars and we we went to the caricature stand and we decided for the day every drawing had to have a star wars character in it whether <laughs> the people wanted it or not <laughs> and, we, and it was the world so we had like, we'd like talk to him like you like star wars right you like star wars right you're like trying to get into star wars <laughs> I remember they'd be like, uh, yeah, kind of. You know, we would draw a squid head coming out of the water in the background. <laughs> That's kind of an octopus, you know, so it was kind of subtle. It counts. It was... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, I mean, so, but I look back on those few years I did those, and, and they were really nice. But at the time, I think I did miss out on on some moments because I was so driven on, like, getting into these other places in, in my career that I wanted to be. So, I don't know if I'm going to regale a story of vintage, I'd say, you know, the vintage is now like, cause at the time you look back when you're in vintage, those, those memories of, you know, that you're not thinking of as vintage, like just, this is going to be vintage in 15 years, what we're doing right now, you right. know? So it's really about the now, you know, it really is, even though it's, that's kind of, weird in a way because collecting this stuff a lot of it is looking back i think it's important though because collecting this stuff in and of itself is looking back mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of other you know things you could dive into about why we collect and, and and i think about that stuff myself all the time but it's like i think it's important to really keep it front and center now and and moving forward too you know so i don't yeah it's, i look back but not yeah, I'm also very much in the now. I'm very much in the now and, and collecting goals, like moving forward. Like, what do I want to curate my collection to be? So, Well, that's I, actually a perfect lead into the next question. No collection is ever complete, so what's on your hunt list? Yeah. Um, well, I do have – there's a few Mexican bootlegs that I'd like to check off. I only collect pretty much the Mexican bootlegs. I focus just on that because – I looked at once I got into bootlegs. I looked at all of them, and I was like, "Wow, there's a lot of different areas I could go." Mm. And um, I focused on Mexico because they produce the um, the wildest and and, and uh, designs on variations on these figures. I thought they were the most colorful. They had a lot of uh, great experimental stuff that they were doing, and I was like, "This is just great." It's almost like folk art and um, brightly colored. And so yeah, I, I just focused on that. So there's a few of those I've got on my. You know, my radar, you know, that I haven't gotten yet, um, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, so any of the, and that's what's nice about collecting bootlegs is, you know, Michael, <laughs> they don't come out quickly. It's almost like you got to get, oh, them you have they, to wait. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they come in bunches though. Like I ended up at the beginning of this year, 2017, I ended up getting like a lot of six of them, 
from like an a, a collection um, that his father, I guess, went down there as a missionary and got like a bunch of these. It was eight figures actually with with their weapons. Which oh rare. wow, nice. Yeah, that was cool. That was special. And um, but then like I didn't get anything for months, like a bunch of months, you know. And then it seems like I get like I don't know. It's like two or two to four buys with that stuff and it's expensive too like it's not cheap you know yeah, so. it always is i'm telling you even going down to mexico man it's not like i walk into like uh, uh expo and there's like a thousand of them laid out on a table i mean maybe <laughs> i come back with two three you know what i mean and that's hunting for five six days yeah 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 but that, my collecting goals are really it's actually this is gonna sound weird it's like uh I was at celebration with a friend and, and we were talking about collecting goals for the next year. And, and I, it, it was, it was like, you know what I'd really like? And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what I'd really want to do though? I would like to not buy anything. My goal, my collecting goal is to not buy anything for like three months and then just like work out and get in shape and lose weight. Like my collecting goal, is <laughs> lose things, you know what I mean? And so, which I ended up joining a CrossFit gym this summer and I've been doing, that. it's been wonderful. And I'm like, nice. this is great. You know, I want, so it's almost like, and this is something that you gotta, I always say collecting is like a garden. And if you don't take care of it, the weeds grow and it gets out of control. But I'm in a point where with selling. So, um, when you, it's nice to go through the collection, you prioritize and you, just, you get rid of the stuff that you don't really love. And you just, you know, kind of like, and then that actually makes you, it enhances the rest of your collection. Yeah. You know, because, you know, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of stuff in the collection you just buy. And then, but then if you really think about it, say, oh, well, this stuff is really obviously special. Keep the core stuff and then cycle out the red, let that other stuff go. And it lets you showcase, gives you more room and lets you showcase what you really love and what you treasure. And then you concentrate on display, which is a whole nother area of collecting as everyone from, your IC group knows and, you know, uh, you know, you could have the collection, but then the next step is displaying it. Right. So the whole displaying is tough consuming and yeah, that deals with furniture and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Trolling yeah, but... through Craigslist for a Ray-Ban display. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, and you know what? I see some wonderfully creative stuff, uh, all over, you know, the Facebook group. That's like, just the way people go about collecting. I think like Gus Lopez is like one of the top uh, with all his framing and the display mm -hmm. got um, just the glass casing people using simple things like from Ikea glass cases with lights and you know, it's just, and, and it's no right or wrong. It's just what works for you. Yep. You know, find that out. Um, There's even a million different variations on those baseball bat cases from Michael's. Now people are putting in backgrounds or lighting and it's yeah. cool. Yeah. You could paint them. I mm -hmm. mean, and, Back them, whatever, you know? I mean, I think that's a good, yeah, I mean, wonderful, wonderful options. Well, I love that about the Star Wars collecting thing in general. I don't know if every kind of collecting thing out there is that. I mean, I'm very focused on Star Wars, but I noticed that no two people's collections are anywhere near the same kind of thing. <laughs> I know, it's fun, right? And, and and they have a lot of the similar items. Yeah, you know? but every single one's like a fingerprint. And, yep. uh, you know, some people put their loose figs in a, you know, a diorama thing. Or some people do, like, exactly lined up on a shelf. Or I have these weird cases. You know what I mean? Or yours, you have one of the largest loose displays I've ever seen of different figures in my life. And you have them all lined up, millions. Of, and it's 
Okay, how many? Do you have any idea how many loots? A million ish? Um, well, it's pretty much. But you display I, them too. It's awesome. Yeah. Like all the walls are. It's awesome. Yeah. I, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, no, I had like thinner shelves, and then the shelves got a little wider. I just display them by uh, by character. So like, I don't have just my vintage separate. Like they're mixed together with the new stuff. So like, I go by like my favorite characters are uh, Java's pals and Cantina. Mm-hmm. So. I, like those are on the first shelf at like primo eye level, and the shelf's a little wider, so I could have Jabba, the Sarlacc Pit. But I've got like a vintage Reese and a vintage Gamorrean Guard next to the new Afamon, <laughs> next to next to a, a vintage Yak Face, next to a vintage uh, uh, Bib Fortuna, you know. And then I got like the new Bib Fortuna that came out like in whatever it was, you know. But right. so I have a mandigled in like next to each other even if they're du- duplicates but um yeah they're, it's pretty tight it's not like super spread out but and then i've got like the vader section there's like i don't know 15 vaders so i know they made more than that but i've got like you know the vintage i got the emperor's wrath i got that the great oh, the one where they finally took the helmet off that was awesome when that came out that was amazing like they finally did it they finally <laughs> did it you know like isn't that what we always wanted like it's like it's a no-brainer. Where's the figure that shows the helmet that comes off? You know? Right. So, where's the yeah? Where's the helmet that comes off? So, yeah, I'm running out of room though. Like Steve Sanseat says, there's no such thing as uh, enough space. Like you just keep running out. Oh yeah. There. Well, I'll tell you. I think one of the best things for any collector is to find is more shelf space. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of at a crossroads with the because I bought the Force Awakens figure and I was able to kind of carve out a little you know corner of a shelf of you know stuff but then like the rogue one figures came out and i bought them all but i i had them in a box here and so you know my kids came in the room like just take them you know go play with them and i haven't gotten them back like they're out there somewhere i know half the weapons are probably in the couch <laughs> so, but whatever it's fine i mean i just don't have room for them and even like the newer like i just got the last jedi stuff i tried mm-hmm. to resist i was like i'm not going i'm not going and then I ended up caving and I went and bought every one of them. And then, <laughs> you know, but it was cool. We opened up the playset. We opened them all up. Great play value. They got a, if you haven't seen it yet. How is that BBA, BBA playset? Play Man, I almost bought it because I was like, when's the last time they had a decent playset? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a good sign to send to Hasbro telling them this is what we want. It, it's got a lot of vibes from that Death Star space station. That's you know? cool. And it's, it's got like, really cool things that you could like um, the buttons the sound effects you just like go across a little thing a platform it drops out a little shoot and yeah so you got sound effects you got and the characters are cool so and it breaks down like you could fold it up and, and it's a cool bb8 like kind of thing you could put against the wall hmm. so yeah no it's cool but again all that's in like a box on a i guess it's in a shelf but it's sort of like in a bookcase like i can't display it so i'm kind of like well you guys play with it and then that's fine, you know. So it's kind of like, I, I, as a, and I'm a Star Wars fan for life, obviously, like all the listeners and you, yourself. But like, it's weird. This era is weird. This is definitely a new era where we're getting a new Star Wars film every year, and we're not used to this. So no. we're we're in uh, we're in some some interesting territory here. I un, un, unknown waters. I and uh, it's cool. I'm going with it. Obviously, I'll be there opening night for the toys and that but i don't know collecting wise if i'm in it for the long haul here you know i don't i don't this next han solo movie i don't know like 
I mean, I don't know if I see myself getting those those figures, you know. And I'm pretty, you know, like Force Awakens. I went overboard. I got even got ships and stuff. But I did too. Force Awakens. Now, I literally everything. <laughs> right. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It was that that night we went out. But for Rogue One, I only got the horrible Disney diecast, so I'm doing fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. See, you learn it. Yeah, Rogue One was a big back off for everyone. I think. I came back. We were at 5 a.m. I came back. Like we were out all night. Like it was a big group of us, and we had it was great. I think we had like a half a dozen WalMarts. You know, mm-hmm. eight like different Targets. Like crazy. It was nuts. It was, it was Kmart. It was, I think we went to like 20 stores. It was nuts. It was, yeah, my credit card bounced. Like they froze my credit card twice. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> uh, go to Walmart. Like uh, three different WalMarts in an hour. Yeah. I'm like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we found that to be suspicious activity. Though. You should have told but, me, hey, uh, it was Star Wars figures, not cartons of cigarettes, <laughs> man. Leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, no, so I think collectors, and, and I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling this, you know, it's like, where do we go from here? So I might be leaving the the collector, might be just really just hanging back, you know, as I enjoy these movies. But in, in the end, there's only so much room and time, you know, and energy. So, right. like well, I say to my, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say on uh, Star Wars art, how did you how did you yep. get into it, man? What are, what are some yep. tips for some aspiring Star Wars artists? Because we have that art group on the IC, man, and people yeah. dig it. And some of them have even gotten picked up by Tops and stuff. So <laughs> since your stuff is in Star Tours and at actual Disney, man, give us a, give us some tips. Yeah, well, I think that's a great place, is uh, Tops. Uh, that's where you want to start if you're anyone wants to do some Star Wars artwork and they feel like they could, they want to do that. That's a wonderful place They uh, with the sketch cards, so you contact Tops, and, and uh, they're, they're, they bring on all kinds of people, you know, people that have, you know, varying degrees of, you know, uh, experience to, to no experience, and they just we'll go ahead and you know, it might take a little time. I actually, it took me like three years. This is going back years ago. And I was a professional illustrator for a while and I had gotten a contact for tops and I tried to contact them. And it was at the time, the person there was not the best emailer. So it was hard to get a hold of the person, get back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did. Finally, I just was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I, I, I went, I filled up my sketchbook at like the, uh, were that science meets imagination type. It was something similar to that. Uh, it was a ex- traveling exhibit, and I drew a whole bunch of Star Wars props. So it helps if you have some Star Wars drawings. Start with that. I'd recommend that's the first tip. You know, do some Star Wars drawings, and uh, and then send those samples into Tops and contact them. And if they don't, you know, like anything, if you want it, you got to go after it. You know, if they tell you no and you go away, it's almost like a test. They right. want to see if. You- back oh you really wanted it you know sometimes you have to come back once or twice or three times or 14 times <laughs> you know or if I mean? you draw like me a million times <laughs> it's like anything. it's persistence like anything so if you want it you know bad enough just keep contacting and like like what i did is i just made myself so annoying i wouldn't go away they finally were like here's cards just shut up <laughs> you know so, uh, I, I did uh two series for them i did and then that was it um and that was fun and then from there i did my I did some Star Wars paintings, and then um, that was for myself. I did an arcade series. My kids and I, we go to a barbecue place on Wednesdays usually. Uh, when my wife goes to yoga, so it's like, so she's <laughs> taking care of going to a barbecue place. There you go. What does that tell you? And <laughs> we were, they had one of those vintage ride on, like, 
carnival rides, like where you put the quarter in, mm-hmm. and it's like carousel horse or whatever. Yeah. They used to so be outside Kmart back in the day. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you'll still see them around. They're around. They're kicking around different department stores and grocery stores. Well, this one was outside this little barbecue place. It was this like pig, and uh-huh. you put a quarter in and you get a pig ride. So nice. it's like, all right. So the kids are on that. They're like, geez, at the time they were like three or whatever, four. And uh, so they're on that. And I'm just like, I saw a land speeder. Like, <laughs> real quick. Like, I'm watching my kids on this thing and I see. Why isn't this a land speeder? Like, did that has that happened yet? We need to have a land speeder. So, uh-huh. I ended up. I went home. I sketched up some ideas. A friend of mine visited me, and we actually did some Star Wars paintings. We actually had the movie on, and we were we just painted some Star Wars stuff for ourselves. Nice. And um, oh no, you know what it was for? It was a local comic book store. That's right. They were having. They opened a gallery in the comic book store. Like they bought the whole building, and it was going to be a Star Wars show. That's right. But it was like, do a Star Wars painting, you come hang it up for a month, do it. And that's what we did. I did I did one of those ride-on vehicles. It's it's a land speeder, and then I did an AT-AT, and then I did a speeder bike, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we brought them to the comic book store, and you know I had them hanging up there for a month. And it, they had a show, and it was really cool. And then afterwards, I the paintings ended up getting the attention of, uh, was Acme Archives? So they had seen... I sent them photos. I think I emailed the person there. And uh, anyway, they had seen them. They were online and uh, like a scan or a photo of it. And uh, anyway, it worked out where uh, they, they were interested in making some prints out of them. I said, oh, wow, it's great. And that's how I got hooked up with Acme Archives. How cool is that? And then it was really cool is with the relationship that works. If you're an act, a Star Wars Lucasfilm artist, you... Um, uh, you, you're allowed to offer your work for sale to George Lucas. So he ended up buying one of the pieces. Which oh, is really, wow. Really special. Yeah, so that was really cool. And that's actually, I got the check. I actually say, I cashed the check, but I saved the, this. Uh, I took a photo of the check, so I still have the check, but and the envelope from Lucasfilm. So that's in my collection as well, like one of those little oddball yeah. things. But it was such a special moment, like when I was like, oh my goodness, like I haven't met George. But it's like that—that's really cool. Even if I don't get to meet him, like at least he got to meet my art, you know. Yeah, and, no, that's really cool, man. Like a full circle there, where you know, like a grown artist doing art about something he loves, Star Wars, and and then like I'm, it goes back like to that point in like child. I was still like a child playing with those toys, you know, in my living room, you know, and here I am still working in the universe of Star Wars. It was just a really special moment. So. Yeah, that's a real treasured Star Wars memory, you know, nice. as well. Well, yeah. if you could have any prop at all from any of the movies, what would you want? Oh, props. Yeah, that's mm. a... And it wouldn't cost you anything. It was free. <laughs> yeah, it was hand-delivered. <laughs> if we're telling people bootlegs are expensive, forget about props. <laughs> props get up there. What what about you, Michael? Have you given that any thought? Have you ever me? Uh, I have never answered that. But if it was like an official wish, I want Boba Fett's helmet. But I mean, it's not something that I'm ever going to be able to attain. But if it was like genie, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. Just Although it I gotta tell so you, cool the... man on a stand. Yeah, the yeah. backpack. The backpack around. The backpack uh, is awesome, and uh, but I don't think I'll ever get that either. But no, that helmet is so iconic. So iconic. Yeah. So, so that yeah, the uh, 
I have the Don Post one signed by him, and it's cool, but it's not. You know? I want to see inside it. I want to see, like, the, you You know. know, It's a mystery. The padding. Yeah, who knows? Oh, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, how did they make it? I don't know. Maybe it's just a piece of cheesy glass or whatever. You know? I don't know. Well, there must have been more than one, right? Didn't they have the stunt one? I I would think, yeah. Yeah. That Joe Johnson one, didn't they have the white one? The... Yeah, there was a white one from the uh, the fair, the state fair. Yep, that's cool. I love seeing that photo, those photos. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a gun guy really, so I don't have like I wouldn't do. The weapons sound cool because I'm like, what about like one of the weapons, like the yeah. stormtrooper, those or the rifle? But I don't, I don't. There's got to be something better. There's got to be because a weapon would be cool, like a lightsaber, or because those display so well. They do. And the helmets are cool. I love Gus has an amazing collection. Yeah, that, unbelievable stuff. He's got the Tuscan Raider helmet. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be it because it was made out of the fabric too. Mm-hmm. And I drew it. I drew one of them that they had on that exhibit at the museum, the where science meets imagination. Um, and it was I just to get up close to those props. Oh my goodness, I that blew me away i that whole i went back three times and i filled up my sketchbook of just drawings of all the different you know getting up close it's like you're you're seeing it. it's real now it's right. real you're right there and whether it's like lobots the thing they put on lobots head like of all the things i drew in there for some reason i was drawing that and i started getting all overwhelmed <laughs> i was like <laughs> i was literally getting emotional i was like almost starting to cry because it's like it's real. It's right here. I'm drawing it. So I don't know. I'd say Tuscan Raider mask would be probably the key for me or the back of Lobot's head. The back of Lobot's <laughs> head. Nice. There you go. Well, you know what it is as soon as you see it, you know? Yeah, that's uh, true. What's your absolute favorite part of collecting? Mm. Uh, I think, um, I think sharing it and talking about it with like-minded collectors, mm-hmm. I think that's really, that's really cool. You know, that's, it becomes more, you know, communal and, and a, a more real experience. Collecting is so isolated, you know, and, um, and, and so it's hard to really say any of those isolated moments where you're with those items. It's like, is really a favorite. I am not really, I think it's more when you're sharing it, you know, mm-hmm. with your friends family and your loved ones and um you know i think i think you know not to get all it's like oh it's about the people you hear that that's overused so much right. you know but uh you know i think it th- those elements are are kind of uh are real important you know because it links you you know because i think this collecting stuff gets heavy and it's easy to get lost and track of really the things that matter and and, uh, and and it's really just stuff, you know, it really is at the end of the day. And I know we collectors are, you know, put so much time and energy and money and uh, resources into these things and acquiring and displaying and sharing and learning about it. But, um, you know, it is just stuff and keeping the stuff. So anytime you could integrate your real life, you know, into it, those are my favorite moments of collecting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 I agree with that, man. The real life meetups are really the best part. Yeah, the celebration is amazing. Yeah, I know celebration's crazy. Cincinnati looked last. I wish I could have 
gone up there and done that. That that looked like a lot of fun. I, it was a good time, yeah. Th- there's something special about celebration. Like I've done the ones here in Orlando, but I'm I I get the blues. I get the celebration blues. I don't know. I know it was your first one, but I got I got I was like sad for like a week after. I was like I remember the day after, like, what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, why am I upset? You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine about it. I'm like, well, it's Celebration Blues, man. Yeah, you just, all the excitement just went away. Yeah, you had Star Wars nonstop. All your buddies for like, you know, yep. uh, four or whatever. And now nothing. Poof. They're gone. <laughs> so you got, no, no, no. You try to get it back. And so, you, you, you know, you clutch your you know, a little phone and you try to like, it's like the friends are trapped under glass there and you're trying to reconnect. Right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, we can still do this, right? We're still doing it. But really all that is, is, is just something to do in between, you know, the real deal, which is getting together with friends and talking right. about the stuff. And even you and I talking right now, conversation, this is like a human moment. Yeah, um, that's reason why I don't post. I post some, but it's hard. It's, it is like talking to someone behind glass that you can't hear them. Like kind of, you know, it's almost like, mm-hmm. cause something gets lost in that translation. And that's what I love about podcasts because it's human. There's like a human involved. And, uh, yeah. So it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I love it. And it's essential. And it's the evolution of the internet. You know, we had the forums. Now we have the Facebook and, uh, you know, but I'm so glad. So congrats to you again, Michael. This is great. I love the podcast. <laughs> This is, these are so important, you know, to to have out there. So, well, I appreciate you, that, man. The, and for some reason, people keep listening to it. So we got to be doing well, something right, brother. You've got a broadcast voice. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask, do, have you done any stuff in the past? Like I have music? never, ever spoken into a microphone or anything like that ever in my entire life. I uh, used to play uh, alto saxophone in the band. But you have music. <laughs> in your email address right music city yeah was... i'm in nashville oh and havens duh. is my last uh, name <laughs> why did i have the I, uh, but i go. love music man i love art unfortunately i just don't have yeah. the talent for it yeah well but i sure love looking good. at that's it probably, you're not forced to have to try to make a living at it yeah know? no i well you know what i've been doing man is i've been drawing these uh i draw boba fett's when i do the interviews just because I oh, figure yeah. I collect so many Boba Fett's, I should at least know yeah. how to draw at least a crappy yeah. Boba Fett. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they look pretty terrible. But today's is not bad, and it has many different colors. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's awful. But I figure by the time I'm done with my 100th podcast, I'll be able to pull off a decent Boba Fett. Are you doing them on loose sheets of paper? No, nah, I actually have this book. Uh, Dan yes. H. made it for me. But what okay. it is is it's a... Uh, it's a just a binder, but it's made out of uh, cardbacks from the Vintage Collection. It has an ATAT oh. Commander cardback and a DAC cardback for the front and back, and then I just write in it, man. I don't know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is a collectible worth having in the making. Cause yeah, you're there you go. Doing it yourself, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I've never, you know, art was never really my thing growing up, and I never really had a talent for it, but I. I do yeah. know that, and one thing this podcast thing has taught me, I do know that if you decide you're going to do something and you put your mind to it and you put in enough hours, there is nothing that can limit anyone, whether it's what you want to collect, whether it's what you want to do, or whether it's drawing a Boba Fett. You just I have love- to put in the you time and the energy. some of those. Have you posted any of those yet? No, dear God, man. They look terrible. Oh, God, <laughs> God. Start, start having fun with those because you'll get better, especially in the beginning. 
when you're new at doing something like i just joined that crossfit place this summer yeah and oh my gosh like i am i'm still like one of the worst in the whole class but <laughs> like in the beginning your leaps are huge like when you first learn something you're like those leaps are huge it the longer you go it take you plateau off and then it takes a while to hit that next you know right. but it's Inning, yeah, you're jumping in, you know. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those. <laughs> Maybe I'll PM you one or two of them. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's a numbers game. I always tell that, going back to what you're saying about people interested in Star Wars aren't getting into it. Like anything, if the more of it you do, the better chance you have at succeeding. So it's like anything. The more you do, the better you get. Yeah. So. Well, before I let you go, brother, I have one last little part. It is the icy Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom. Since I see Star Wars is focused on vintage Star Wars items, and our guests like you will be some of the most knowledgeable collectors around, I've asked every single guest to come up with one collecting tip. It can be anything from what to look for in the wild to these are all the known variations of Kenner card backs. Uh, Something I've learned from my personal experience in this hobby is every single collector knows really solid info about something, but no collector knows everything. And if we all keep learning from each other, then the community is going to grow, and that's what... It means to be part of the Imperial Commissary. So, what is the Christian Slade IC Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom? Hmm. Okay, let me make sounds here to try to hmm. come up with this in a in a way that's short and concise. Let me uh, let me wander here and mumble on. Um, I think I think the best way to put it would be. I try to get something unexpected here a little bit. What you don't collect is as important as what you do collect. Okay. So a lot of times that's to avoid the that fine line of hoarding versus um, collecting, you know. And I think it's easy for it to get out of control. Um, I really. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, so the ability to pass on certain things instead yeah. of just buying everything. And really collect in the moment, in the now. You know, as much as we're, it's about the past, because these things are about the past and everything, collect in the present as much as possible, you know. And that deals with, those are, that tip is led for the psychological aspects of collecting, you know, that we all kind of uh, experience and go through. So, and in the end, it's just stuff. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously, you know, because it, it, it could get intense. So. I like it. Hope that helps. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, sometimes you got to remember that it is just stuff, especially if you lose out on something that you really want and somebody else gets it. I mean, it happens all the time. And if you let that kind of stuff get to you, then the, the bad stuff about collecting will get to you. And there's no need for that. Just enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it's... just enjoy it. And it's just star like, yeah. And I mean, like I said, I going back to my wire collection. I, I mentioned earlier in the show. I mean, I collect comics. I collect, you know, you know. But the best collectibles of all are, you know, like I'm a dad. I've got kids, so it's like they're number one. They have to be. So a lot of times you push this stuff, um, you know, where it needs where it needs to be, which is, you know, oh, uh, you know, out of, uh, you know, out of the forefront. It needs to be you know, get your priorities in order, you know, and I think, you know, you could share the collection with the family. Great. But if not, you know, yeah, I, my favorite collectibles are, I keep my sketchbooks and I draw my kids all the time. I do paintings of my kids every year, you know, to try to, you know, um, get 
you know, record those moments in their life. And I have Star Wars paintings, too, that I do just for myself. I call them Star Wars moments, and I paint them wherever I am, uh, whether it's at Celebration or Star down at Disney. And those are just for me, you know, and that, yeah. all that my time. But they're some of the most treasured things I have. So, um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, maybe Uncle it's, Owen said it best, you know? You can play with your friends when your, when your chores are done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> How that connects to, yeah. Uh, well, guess. no, I meant because you were saying, you know, you got to do family first and you got to um, make sure you take yeah. your life first and you got to make sure that collecting is something you do for fun yeah. once all the important things are done. Yeah, it's a balance, you know? And totally. I have a career that's extremely. Uh, intensive and you know it takes a lot out of you you know where you throw yourself into artwork and the properties i'm working with um my own stuff i'm developing and 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 life is a balancing act you know and i'm and i'm an intense person you know so like it the person that does the paintings and then the person that collects and lives my life it's it's uh you know it's just what are you working on right now and then you give it your all but i i think a lot of the people on the ic and the people i see out collecting have that ferocity and the intensity with their with the when they get you know collect this stuff which just shows you know how passionate uh fans are and how powerful the saga is because star wars forever you know it really is powerful so well uh that's it but uh is there anything you'd like to plug i know uh the corgi book but uh also you have if anybody wants to check them out www.christianslade.com um anything you want to plug anything you're working on currently maybe in real life Uh, not star wars related uh, yeah, I've got, well, christianslate.com, which is going to be updated here soon, um, is uh, a place you can see some of my Star Wars art there. And uh, uh, also, that's really the best place. You can find me on Facebook. Um, Corgi is spelled with a K, like the little orange dogs. It's K-O-R-G-I mm-hmm. uh, instead of C-O-R-G-I. So you can find the Corgi books. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to put a podcast together myself here. So, Michael, ah, do been... it up, brother. What are you yeah. going to do, Star Wars? Um. Uh, it's going to be uh, everything. It's going to be kind of a uh, everything show. So it's going to deal with creativity, and uh, and definitely some massive, you know, Star Wars and uh, uh, other artistic influences. Well, comics. if you do a Star Wars like, episode, you let me know. I'm happy I, to be a guest star. Oh, that sounds great, Michael. I'll let you know. <laughs> Thanks, you know. brother. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, another IC Star Wars episode is in the books. Thanks a lot for listening. As always, I'll be releasing these whenever I have time. Just like the uh, Star Wars saga, you never know when the next one's going to come. But they will keep coming forever. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. If you like Star Wars art, please join the IC Art Gallery, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IC Art Gallery. Uh, all one word, and uh, join up there. There's a lot of IC members sharing their art. Really cool subgroup that we have. Also, don't forget to join the event at the top of the IC, the IC Meetup Cleveland. We're going to be doing an IC Meetup in Cleveland. The Imperial Commissary is going to be joining forces for one day only with the Northeast Ohio Toys and Collectibles Club. 
Uh, Chris Santon is putting this one together up there in Cleveland. I will not be able to make it, but uh, that was a plan from the start. An IC meetup is whenever two IC meet members meet up anywhere, no matter where it is. So you could have your very own IC meetup tomorrow. Um, but uh, it's an IC meetup, and he's going to have some stickers. I sent him off some sticker packs and stuff like that. It's going to be a great time. And uh, those guys from the Northeast Ohio Toy Collectible Club are really nice guys, too. So it'll be a great time with a lot of vintage Star Wars talk. So definitely make sure you uh, try to get up to that, especially if you're anywhere near the Cleveland area, especially if you've never been to a meetup before. It's really a lot of fun, and it's always nice to be able to speak with like-minded people in a nice environment. Uh, also, don't forget IC Secret Santa. IC Secret Santa is something we've been doing for a few years now, three years. Um, of last year, wonderful guy, uh, he knows who he is, but his name is Phil Byers, and I'll put him on blast. But Phil Byers, last year, uh, he came to me and he said, Hey, Mike, uh, do you think I could take over IC Secret Santa? I said, Oh my God, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's always so much to do, and I'd love the help. So thank you very much. The first year, I did it. Um, it wasn't too difficult because IC members are generally wonderful folks, and I really love you. Um, but what happens is we take in a whole bunch of names. Everybody signs up as long as you sign up before uh, here. Let me pull it up here, and I'll tell you all the exact dates. Sign up ends Thanksgiving, uh, which is uh, November 23rd. Uh, there's a 25 limit, $25 limit for what you send send to your person you're giving a gift essentially what it is, is we take in everybody's name and everybody's name that wants to join just go join it's at the top of the ic you could just click on the link for the event click join and then eventually we'll ask for everybody's addresses what happens is phil takes in all these names and then he distributes them and he tries to match you up if you're close or if you're in the same country because it's international the imperial commissary is an international group so he'll try to match up the australian guys with the australian guys and americans with americans uh english with english uh just so we can keep it uh the cost down and keep it cheap and keep it fun and what happens is you get somebody's name and you go and you try to send them or you don't try to send them you do send them do or do not there is no try but you send them a little christmas present it's only $25 i mean if you got a yak face for $25 at your local flea market great send that if you got a i don't know a $25 our pops $25 i don't know what's $25 but if you get something modern that's $25 you could send that as long as it's star wars and as long as you send it and that's the way you know, we're the long and short of it, folks, we're old. So when somebody sends us a present that we're not expecting, that is something we'll enjoy, there is no better feeling in the world. <laughs> so what we do is we match up everybody and we have IC Secret Santa. I really encourage you to draw join. It's been getting bigger and bigger every year. I'll keep mentioning it as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving. If you would like more info on Christian Slade, please visit www.christianslade.com. That's www.christianslade.com. And also for anything Imperial Commissary related, visit www.imperialcommissary.com. That's I-M-P-E-R-I-A-L-C-O-M-M-I-S-S-A-R-Y 
gmail.com. On Instagram, I am the Imperial Commissary. Feel free to shoot me a picture or a text or a message or anything. Um, also, uh, Twitter, um, my handle. I don't really know how to use Twitter. If anybody out there is a Twitter person and they want to be my Twitterer, uh, because I prefer to retweet than to tweet, um, <laughs> please feel free to tell me. If not, uh, my Twitter thing is ICSW Podcast. So feel free to hit me up there. I can't promise you I'll see it. Uh, I will eventually, but uh, definitely shoot me an email or something like that. ICSWpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just Google Michael Haven's Star Wars, and I'm sure you'll find some way to contact me. If you got a rocket fire and Boba Fett around for a cheap deal for a good guy that's going to put him on a shelf, you feel free to find my number. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's been a fun week. It's been a fun time doing this. I didn't even get to talk about my wonderful trip to Cincinnati or to Chicago, but that's okay. Maybe another time. There's never going to be enough time, and that's what makes it wonderful because it keeps us on our toes. So thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of IC Star Wars, a podcast for collectors by collectors.